What's up, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Shanti Das. Welcome to episode 31. Whew, God is good. I can't believe that I'm saying 31 episodes of the Silence to Shame podcast. I want to apologize to my listeners because I know we have not been posting as many episodes, but since losing my sister unexpectedly in April, I have been dealing with debilitating grief, um, something that I never thought I would have to deal with in my life. My sister was my number one support system, as you guys know, when I contemplated my own suicide in 2015, it was my sister that encouraged me to call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. So forgive me if I get emotional today because I'm still on this grief journey. I'm slowly finding my pathway forward. But I'm grateful today to have my two resident clinicians and my dear friends in the building, Dr. Adrian and Dr. Stallworth. How y'all yes. doing? Hey. Good morning. What's up? Good to Look, see you. You guys both are no strangers to the show, so no. we appreciate your uh, expertise and your advice. And just the love that you show and the empathy and compassion uh, for people around emotional health and wellness. So welcome, sisters. Well, thank good you. Good morning. Good morning. Glad and to be here. You, thank you. Y'all doing yeah. good? Y'all We're good doing weekend? great. I'm doing real good, but without coffee, but I'm doing real good. We're going to get you a cup when we're yeah, done. How yes, about that? Yes, we're going to get some of that when we leave. So <laughs> we're going to get right into it. Um, gosh, I, I just can't even tell you. I was up praying this morning um, as I do every morning, thanking God when I first wake up. And it's only you, God, that allowed this guest that I'm about to introduce to be on my, podga- my podcast. And you know this work is definitely from the heart. It's passionate work that we're doing. It's a ministry, God, that you placed in my lap. So without further ado, I want to share a little bit about our illustrious guest. For more than 40 years, he has helped millions of Americans, millions of people in America realize, and throughout the world, their purpose through his dynamic ministry. He was recognized as America's best preacher by Time Magazine, as well as one of the nation's most influential and mesmerizing preachers by the New York Times. He remains a charismatic yet humble man. He's the founder of the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas, and today he will talk to us about his iconic conference, Women Thou Art Loose, and Mental Wellness and Self-Care. Let's give a huge silence of shame welcome to Bishop T.D. And shout out to Mara on his team, because this would not be happening without Mara um, and Crystal. So just God is good. So we're going to jump right in because you, we know your time is valuable. Bishop Jace, I love this line from your bio. In order to help lead people to their destiny, you have to meet people where they are in life. And I think mm-hmm. that's what's made you um, such uh, an amazing leader, right? Um, you have millions of people that watch your ministry and your word through social media, as well as people that are streaming your, your services. Um, and that it truly is a gift um, that you have to empower and inspire our community. I am honored to be able to talk to you about mental health. October 10th, which is this week, is World Mental Health Day. At least 45 million people suffer with a mental illness, and about one in five people will experience a mental illness in their lifetime. My father, unfortunately, died by suicide when I was seven months old. And, you know, we used to say committed suicide, but we and the clinicians can share. We don't say committed suicide anymore because it denotes, you know, a criminal act, if you will. And so I know that my father was sick and I'm at peace with that now. And then in 2014, my best friend took her own life the exact same way. And I talked to her the day before it happened. 
So it sent me into a downward spiral Mm -hmm. and I blamed myself and I was starting to peel back the onion, right? A lot of the layers that I had never dealt with about my father, because growing up in African-American culture, we didn't go to counseling. We didn't talk about it. You know, don't share your business once you leave the house. Mm -hmm. You know how that is. And so I was I had this cloud over my life. And I was thinking that maybe when the rubber, I mean, when things got tough for me, that I would consider suicide. And that's what happened in 2015. I came really close to taking all the pills in my medicine cabinet. Um, I actually had a plan, and that was terrifying for me. And so by the grace of God, like I mentioned, my sister helped me. And I happened to text my pastor because I'm a member of Ebenezer Baptist Church. And Dr. Warnock said, I'll pray with you, but you got to go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. I need you to get help. So my organization solely exists to help erase shame and stigma associated with mental health. Bishop Jakes, have you ever experienced depression in your life? And if so, can you talk about how you heal through that process and the importance of people getting the help that they need? And I like to use hashtag Jesus in therapy. You know, uh, yes, I have experienced depression in my life. Uh, I'm not normally a person that tends to be depressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when um, when my mother died in my arms, it sent me spiraling downward. Oh, uh, sorry. Thank you. Into a, a deep, dark uh, May I pit. ask what year that was? It was 1999. Okay. And uh, it's been some time ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my mother had Alzheimer's. Oh, mine too. So she went in pieces. Yes. And it was very difficult. And she lived in my house. Oh, wow. And she died in my arms. Mm. And uh, she died while my ministry was exploding. Yes. (laughs) So on one hand, I have uh, a a church that literally is exploding and going up, a national ministry that's Mm -hmm. taking me everywhere around the globe. And I was coming home and shoveling little teaspoons of applesauce in my mother's mouth Mm -hmm. trying to get her to swallow. So you were her caregiver. Yeah, I was a caregiver. So uh, when I lost her, I felt like I lost the battle. Mm -hmm. I felt like it was my fault. I felt like I failed. I Mm -hmm. felt like... You know, people were getting healed in my ministry, mm-hmm, but yeah. not my own mother. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so it, it set me on a downward path for a while of, of depression. But but prayer and uh, worship and, to be honest with you, praying in the spirit mm-hmm. did something for me. Mm-hmm. Really? It coughed up something that I couldn't get out. Wow. And, wow. and I didn't know it was going to do it, but B- Bishop Joseph Garlington came to our church, mm-hmm. and he was teaching on praying in the spirit. And and I was just sitting, going through the motions because I really wasn't even there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and so I got down on my knees like everybody else, and I started trying to pray in the spirit. Mm-hmm. And in the process of praying in the spirit, I noticed that it got down into that lump that I was carrying mm-hmm. in the top of my mm-hmm. stomach, and tears started running down my face, and I started just opening up and letting go and being healed. That was a, a time of great depression in my life. And I think it is normal. We all have catastrophic in, events that happen sure. in our life that That's gets right. us into depression. But there's a difference between that and chronic depression and depression for which you cannot trace back to a stimuli. That's right. And, and, and you have to be able to differentiate one from the other when you need therapy, when you need counseling, when there's a predisposition in your family right. to right. mental health issues. All right. of those are different right. things. And, uh, and um, th- that my, was not my experience. But sure. I have had moments where I was sitting in the room, sitting on the floor in the dark, uh, because my life had gotten bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Because... Uh, a lot of people crave success, yeah. but they don't realize that success uh, with light comes heat. That's right. <laughs> right. With light That's comes right. heat. Yeah, yeah. Right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and a lot of times you prayed for the light, but you didn't expect the heat. That's and I found right. myself in situations where I just thought, 
this is crazy, this is too much, this is too big, I can't handle it. I couldn't handle it, but I couldn't bring myself to quit it either. Right. And, and so you feel trapped. That's right. You know, and that led to a period of, of depression in my life. I lived off, I have talked about that. So you, oh, wow. you got something fresh uh, out of me. Um, and it led to a depression because I was trying to understand who I was becoming. Mm -hmm. Because everything that about us is based on who we were. That's, That's right. right. And so who I was becoming was a foreigner to me. And I wasn't sure that I liked this Did person. Did that scare you? Becoming. Uh, to death. Yeah. Right. It scared me to death. In the in the 43 years that I've counseled people who were dying by suicide or contemplating mm -hmm. dying by suicide, mm -hmm. um, it goes from the haves to the have-nots, from the politicians, That's from right. from high-profile, rich, wealthy people. So it has nothing to do with money to homeless That's people right. living in shelters. The one thing that I have found common amongst most of them is most of the time that they were contemplating suicide, they were doing it because of something that happened in the past. Yes. Mm -hmm. The problem with that is when you make the decision mm -hmm. to take your own life, the reality is you're not killing your past. You're killing your future. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Ooh, say that Absolutely. again. And you have to that understand. That is so profound. You, when, you, when you take your own life, you are killing your future. Mm -hmm. and, and, and you're killing the one part of you they can be rewritten. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. And you're killing it over the part that's over. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that you need to understand the memories that haunt you, the flashbacks of the impulses that you get. Mm -hmm. uh, unfinished business. The stimuli, the unfinished mm -hmm. business, mm -hmm. the, the things that go, the triggers that go off in your life that take you back to things that you want right. to forget can be as simple as a smell or a touch or mm -hmm. anything that takes you back to an unpleasant memory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It is that memory that is trying to assassinate you. Right. Yes. But what the what it is assassinating is your future. Right. Your destiny, your hope, your positivity. And never give up your 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 future for your past. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And our minds are fertile ground. Right. And that's where all the thoughts are planted, these seeds that come from other people, mm -hmm. people, you know, that you meet along your journey. Mm -hmm. And what we don't realize is that Going to the couch is really a comfortable place, but so many of us have been raised that, you know, you got to be crazy to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I tell my clients, you got to be crazy not to go Absolutely. to therapy. Mm -hmm. But Bishop Jakes, I wanted to ask you, you know, your perspective in terms of going to see professional clinicians and still being able to have a prayer life because... You know, sometimes people in the church, you know, sometimes church people can be something else. They can be something else. <laughs> well, well, first of all, when it comes to church people, you the church attracts people with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's right. Because in an attempt to correct the problem, a lot of times we over-spiritualize things that cannot be spiritualized. That's exactly mm -hmm. right. Okay, so we think that getting more Jesus will take away the rape, the abuse, the molestation. Right. Right. I've been molested for 12 years, and I'm going to be baptized now. I'm going to be a preacher and I'm going to be all sold out right. for God. And that's not going to fix what's eating it's, at oh, you. Right. Okay? Inside right. you. Okay. That's right. That's why 22 of the people that I have on staff out of the 300 are clinicians. I love so it. So we have a. That's amazing. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that? Yeah, no, but we have I a complete. Yes. We have a complete That's team amazing. of therapists that work along with me. We oh, have a private entrance you. and access for people to come in and get mental health issues because 
There's a difference between a spiritual issue and a mm-hmm. mental issue. Will you say that again? They are two different things, and you cannot put a spiritual band-aid on a mental wound. That's exactly right. Most right. pastors do not understand that. Right. And so they put some oil on your head and lay hands on you and slap right. you out on the floor. Right. And when you come out of it and you wake up, you still go home you feeling like you were you feeling before. Same stuff. Following. Yes, because because my spiritual band-aid didn't touch your mental wound. That's, That's right. right. And those, those are two different areas yeah. of our being. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 in my spirit, I'm recreated. Mm-hmm. But my mind is being transformed mm-hmm. as it is being renewed. And that's an ongoing process every process. day yeah. of that's my right. life. That's exactly right. That's yeah. right. And, and to some degree, it is my thought and my conviction. You got the professionals here. But to some degree... Every human being who has a mind uh, will go through some sort of illness or trauma. Absolutely. At some point. Yes. It, it's, it is quite normal to be overwhelmed or stressed out or right. depressed or have anxiety. Yes. yes. Uh, a lot of these sleep disorders are coming from anxiety. It's not that you can't sleep. You can't get your brain to, to cut s- off. Right. Mm-hmm. To stop. Yeah. So there you are laying in the bed and it's like in West Virginia, we had the snow, your tires are spinning. Mm-hmm. And you're not going anywhere. You're laying down. Your body's laying down, but your mind is still spinning. And you think, oh, I have insomnia. No, you have anxiety. Right. That's right. And you have to understand that. One of the greatest things a a therapist said to me, who was treating one of my members in prison, and I went to the prison to see him. Mm -hmm. He had flipped out on a plane. Uh, They had to land the plane. He was a big, huge, muscular guy Mm -hmm. and ended up in prison. And he was being treated by an amazing uh, doctor there. And she said, the problem with us is we have divorced the brain from being a part of the body. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said, if if you have high blood pressure, you will take blood pressure medicine. Mm -hmm. If you're diabetic, Mm -hmm. you will take insulin. But when something's wrong with your brain, you don't, you will not allow it to be a part of your body. And it is a part of the body. It It was, it was so enlightening for me to look at it from that perspective. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And we we, we don't have any shame about saying, I take my blood pressure medicine. I got to go home. Wait, I got to take my sugar pills. Yeah, I got to take my sugar (laughs) pills. But when it comes to That's therapy right. or it takes to medication yep. for mental health issues, there's a certain shame that yeah, goes along exactly with it. Right. And, and one other thing I know I'm talking I think about. also in defense of certain things is that people didn't know what to do with right. mental illness. I, I think it's easy to sometimes, the pastor doesn't know when the church doesn't know, but you know, for especially for African Americans, you know, we were told to just, it's, you have to be quiet. Be you have quiet. to sweep it under the rug. And now it's booming. You know, now all of a sudden mental illness is something that everyone's like, oh, let's talk about it. Not that it was never important, but now it's on the front lines of everything. And now people are saying, oh, now it's time to do something. We have pastors dying. We have actors dying. Now there are relevant people right. who are getting sick and ill. But I think to the defense of not just the church, just people in general, is most people just didn't know what to do. They were like, you'll be fine. They just think better thoughts. You know? Yeah. You, you, you know, I think you really, really struck a nerve. People don't know what to do. Yeah. And people are uncomfortable with admitting that they don't know. Right. right. And pastors are but see, uncomfortable that's it, with admitting they don't, that they don't know. It's almost like they're ashamed that they don't know. Right. right. To your point. And, and and sometimes medical doctors are, are are not comfortable with admitting that they don't know. A lot mm-hmm. of times you'll talk to your uh, primary care physician and they have not been trained how to detect certain, certain exactly. sorts right. of problems. Our police departments need to be better trained right. yes. how to detect certain mental health right. issues. Because yes. there's a case in Georgia right now um, where it's finally going to trial where a police officer killed, shot and killed an unarmed black man that was naked mm-hmm. running through his apartment complex. Now, clearly... 
this gentleman was suffering with mm-hmm. some mental from issues something, right. from something. And now we also have um, CIT trained officers, which is good. Mm-hmm. And that's crisis and training officers. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I think more states, you know, around the country need to make sure their officers are I trained. I think everybody needs to be trained. I think parents need to be trained. Mm-hmm. Yes. Early mm-hmm. detection of childhood issues, you have a much better chance of being able to treat those issues. I mm-hmm. think they're really, really important to be dealt with and to be understood. Yep. I think it's important to, I wanted to bring up this behind sure. your comment because I, th- I thought it was an interesting thing. I was reading some updated information. Uh, it might have been in psychology today, but it mm-hmm. talks about uh, the survive the children of the survivors of the Holocaust. Uh, they did research on them, and their DNA, their physical DNA, had been altered by the trauma of their right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. Okay. When you look at the newly discovered information that this trauma that was experienced by the previous generation had altered the DNA composition of their grandchildren, mm. what about the children of slavery? slavery. Exactly. So what, you, you, you understand? Yes. So, mm-hmm. so, so you're talking about the compounding of generational trauma. That's right. It's mm-hmm. That's not right. just what happened to you when you were a child. It's what happened to your mother. and It's what happened to your great-grandmother. Right. And all of that passing down from generation to generation. And now you're strung out on drugs and you can't figure out how to get off right. or right. why you got why on or what's like, going yeah. on how in your life. How did this even happen? Yeah. Right. yeah, and I must be a bad person. It no, is not no. that you're yeah. a bad person. A lot of times today, pastoring and uh, has become therapy. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a lot of it, it is not so much about teaching eschatology and teaching about doctrinal things like it used to be. Mm-hmm. It's more centered around helping people cope with life. Just right. life stuff. Yeah, life stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if things- I could, oh. I just want to interject really quickly. So to your point, I was Googling this. There is a book called Post Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it talks about the PTSD mm-hmm. that we as African Americans and, and generations of our families have experienced from that. Oh, yeah. it's absolutely. Yeah. It's inherent in everything. It's inherent. Uh, some of the foods we eat, we eat them because they were the only things that they that, were that was available. Eat. Right. And so, right. so that becomes the way we eat the <laughs> right. way we do. Right. Some of the way we parent our children is a result of the master whooping the slave. Exactly right. There you go. You know, yeah. uh, there are a lot of uh, great descendants of slavery in our behavioral mm-hmm. DNA that sure. makes up right. the complexity of our community. That's right. Then the other thing that I think is important, when you start talking about the black community and its attitude about mental health, mm-hmm. you have to realize that there are you have to be a minority to understand how much power we give to our community. Mm-hmm. It, 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 because we are a minority, to be rejected by your community is horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is horrifying. And it, we will do anything to be accepted. To be accepted by yes. our community because if if we don't have each other, we feel like we won't have anybody. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a different experience from somebody who is a majority group of people who never give their community that much power. Right. A, a white man can go out and blow somebody's brains out. He doesn't feel like he represents his whole race. Right. And so right. people at work the next day aren't saying, oh, that's a shame for your people right. and all that kind of stuff. But anytime something happens in our community, it's it represents the sum total of the whole race. Yeah, exactly. And so you have it's a different of, dynamic there. Totally us. a different yeah. dynamic yeah. there. Yeah. And so the, our allegiance to our community, our desperate clinging to our community and the fear that our community would abandon us is is an abandonment likened unto a mother leaving a child mm-hmm. in a basket in the street. I was going to yeah. say, like Dr. you know, Stallworth. whenever I, you know, part of my professional philosophy is when I look at the DSM five, is how we diagnose, you know, people. Most or many of the diagnoses are from how we treat one another. They're mm-hmm. not. 
these arbitrary diagnoses. They're from abuse. They're from mm-hmm. how we impact one another. And, you know, I think the scripture says fathers don't drive your sons to wrath. Mm-hmm. How we impact one another is almost it almost is, you know, it, it goes together. And so when I'm, you know, someone when they're teaching pastors or teaching leaders and you're saying you can't separate these two things from one another mm-hmm. because they they impact one another. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I guess my question is, how did we get so far away from uh, in church? How did we get so far away from remembering that if 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 Elijah was depressed and there, there are people in the yeah, Bible who yeah, were going through right. things, they were depressed, they were anxious, they were scared, mm-hmm. they were crying out to God, they were crying, they were I mean, they were going through. So if the, the DSM-5 is just giving names, titles to what people actually experience, right. you know, so how did we get so far away? Well, no one's really depressed or just pray it away. Rebuke yeah. it in the name of, it's a mm-hmm. demon. You know, that's enough, you know, it's yeah. a demon. That's a yeah. spirit of such and such. It's a spirit of molestation. Well, you know, the spirit didn't molest me. Right, You know, right, uncle right, so-and-so right, did. Right, that's right. How did we get so far away from that? Yeah. The Apostle Paul said, I was pressed above measure and beyond strength so much so that I despaired of life itself. Mm-hmm. And when you hear him talk about that, and he talks about while he was in the minor parts of Asia, how he went through this pressure, this gross depression, that he despaired of life itself. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Yeah. Right? Went through bouts of horrific depression. Mm-hmm. Your reference to Elijah and, 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 and the depression that he went through that drove him into a cave mm-hmm. uh, is it, it, present in the Bible. But the Bible is a kind of book that that it, you, it depends what eyes you bring to mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. what you see when That's you right. read mm-hmm. it. Right. And, and the, the, what lens you're looking at it through. What lens you're looking That's at right. it through, right. how, how it speaks back to you. Now, now let's go back for a minute and realize that when our ancestors were handed Bibles, they couldn't read. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, yeah. Right. So a lot of our religious tradition came from places outside of the Bible. Right. Mm-hmm. And then when we started to read, we didn't have studying. And so it took us a while to evolve as a species and theologically. The other thing that you have to realize about the 21st century church is this. There is no such thing as the black church, like it's an organization with right. the board right. of directors right. yeah. and right. we can excommunicate <laughs> right. you. It's Absolutely. not like that. Right. Right. You, you can, anybody who's got a computer can get licensed to preach and get a building yep. and open up a church. And so That's you got right. some real preachers and you, mm-hmm. then you got Junani, yeah. right. you know, out there right. preaching. Wild boy people out there. <laughs> right. you know, right. and, and there is no regulation. Imagine anything else unregulated, a drug unregulated. Mm-hmm. That's the way the church is today. Right. It's yeah. some of everything mm-hmm. in the pulpit and outside of the pulpit. That's a good point. And, and so you have to realize that you're not, they're not being exposed. They don't go to conferences that really deal with issues because it's a lot of times it's the church is being led by people who see it as a career. Exactly. Right. Mm. Not a calling. A and so they won't admit that they need training. They feel like I'm anointed and that's enough. I'm right. gifted Hold and that's right. enough. Right. I, can, <laughs> I can sing. Yeah. Right. That's <laughs> enough. <laughs> Glory to God. And then you hoop your way into somebody blowing Ooh, their you brains out. You're saying a word right now. And, and, and you have changed keys five times, but it didn't help my problems. <laughs> right. 
That's different. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Right. That's that right. is the black right. experience. Right. And and so it's these kinds of problems. It's amazing. I've been doing leadership conferences for years. Yes. And some of the pastors who really need it the most never come. Mm. Because they don't think they need they, it. They don't think they need it. Right. It's kind of like you all in right. therapy. It's yeah. the same yeah. thing. So high and lifted up. And, and so <laughs> right. we need to have this conversation. I'm yeah. so glad. Uh, to have this conversation with you. We connected. You ain't going to get rid of me now. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I am used to working with, with professional psychiatrists and psychologists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have them on staff. I have them on my team. I refer people all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. I sneak people away in the night. I get people that's to, to drug that's rehab great. centers. Yeah, I do all yeah. kinds of, I mean, high-profile people. Right. Just running them through black vans in the night trying to get them to help yeah. without destroying their career. Exactly. Because now if we find out that somebody has has a problem, we kill them. Right. Yes. Okay. Right. And and problems act out in inappropriate mm-hmm. ways. So it's not like when you have a mental health problem, it's not just where you're going to go running through the church spraying air freshener in there. It's yes. not right. necessarily like that. It may come out in your sexual behavior. It may come exactly. out in how you treat your wife. Right. It, it's going to come out in an ugly way that the church will condemn mm-hmm. rather than correct. Ooh, yes. Right. And sometimes you have to save the baby. From the one who had it. That's exactly <laughs> right. So this, everything you guys have been saying, it, it's so divine because this is leading right into the next question I was about to ask you. Because okay. I saw um, a clip last night of you um, back in 2014, mm-hmm. and you led a topic um, called Dealing with Depression, mm-hmm. which was amazing. Um, and it was so great to see that you were dealing with this before, again, many people started talking about it, mm-hmm. right? Um, my organization, Silence of Shame, um, we have um, something that we do the first Monday in May because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. So we've started Silence to Shame Sundays. Mm-hmm. We had 13 churches to do it just in our first year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's starting to spread. And we also did a project this past year with the state organization, DBHDD, um, here in Atlanta, where we went into communities, even some rural areas in Georgia, to teach the faith community mm-hmm. how to talk to their congregation Good. about mental health. And we're trying to spread this nationally again just to kind of reiterate on what you were saying talk about the importance of faith leaders understanding about mental health and wellness um and and even getting them trained because there's a such thing called mental health first aid training mm-hmm. so we would love to even be able to get our pastors trained mm-hmm. in mental health first aid training which is an eight-hour course that just gives you you know and the clinicians can talk more about it but it gives you you know a lot of just kind of the basics that you need to know on the different mental illnesses that exist some of the triggers how do you care for a loved one and so forth so again just praises to you for being at the forefront Mm -hmm. of even having those many clinicians Mm -hmm. right as a part of the potter's house i think it's groundbreaking and so many other people in the faith community no matter you know what denomination you are or just whatever spiritual community you're in you need these clinicians to walk hand in hand with you again hashtag jesus in therapy or the universe in therapy whatever you whoever you believe in right. we need to do this hand in hand you this know, work it's, i want to say something particularly to pastors that may encourage them uh to walk more in sync with therapists a lot of the pastor's stress is brought about from his inability to detect mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you, you try to preach them well. Mm-hmm. You try to pray them well. Mm-hmm. 
you take them in your house and you try to adopt them well. Mm -hmm. And then they keep acting out and you feel like a failure. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take too many of those failures before you are infected yourself with a a sense of incompetence Mm -hmm. and guilt and shame when when in reality you have not diagnosed that this problem is not a problem in your purview. Mm-hmm. And, and, and to understand that the word of God goes quickens the spirit of a man, mm-hmm. but his soulish realm, which is his mind, his memories, his appetites, his thoughts, those, those soulish issues mm-hmm. are in a process of transformation, sure. what the Bible calls renewing of the mind. And the Bible can walk in harmony with therapy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, they, they don't have to be at odds right. with each other mm-hmm. because we can help that person to I renew their their mm-hmm. mind and a lot of the pain of the pastor and a lot of the pain of the pastor's wife is coming from parishioners who have mental health issues undetected right mm-hmm. and you're hating mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. who's sick mm-hmm. and rather than to start waging war with the member like 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 you're going to get down there and box with mm-hmm. a three-year-old right. mm-hmm. you need to you need to handle them from the perspective of let me let me help you. Right. You, you you're really not in love with me. You, let me help you. Right. <laughs> you, you know right. this right. is not really what you think it is. Let me get you some help. And what happens when when my problem and your problem clash? A crisis emerges out of that. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we need it. We need it in the pulpit because we've had more suicides in the pulpit in recent years yes. than we have ever yes. had yes. in the history of the church mm-hmm. because of the load that the pastors are carrying. Right. And so I want if I have any influence with any pastors right now, if you you don't have to be able to afford to put somebody on staff, just build a relationship. Mm-hmm. Somebody you can refer, refer people refer to, to. That's so right. that you don't have to carry the cross alone. If somebody helped Jesus carry the cross, right. somebody can help you carry that exactly. church. Right. So bring a clinician alongside you to lift the weight of the wood of the cross of your ministry up off of you, and you can yeah. still be who God called you to be. You know, Bishop Jakes, it's so interesting that you would say that because, you know, I told you I newly joined affiliated with a church, and so one of the things that I wanted to do was to serve. Mm-hmm. And so I ran into a situation, that's why we're not going to call the name mm-hmm. of my church, mm-hmm. but someone who is not a licensed person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the person I had to go to. And I was all excited and on fire and said, mm-hmm. I just want to serve. I just want to help. I'm doing this work with mm-hmm. silence, the shame, and our church should be a part of this. And mm-hmm. I was met with some resistance. And mm-hmm. it was we can't hire you. And I said, I'm not looking for a job. I'm looking to serve. Mm-hmm. And so I just think that sometimes you know, even in our desire to want to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And then so then my flesh came in, into mm-hmm. the situation mm-hmm. and I said, OK, Lord, maybe maybe this isn't where I'm supposed to try to do this work mm-hmm. because but but my feelings said, let me just go sit over here in the pulpit and just listen to the message. But I know that there's a gift that was placed in me. And so there's something I'm supposed to be doing with this. Let, let, let me interject something from a pastor's perspective. You're new. Yes. You come from the outside in. Yes. We have no history with you. Mm-hmm. We've never met you before. Right. And you're asking me to turn my babies over to mm-hmm. you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're scared of you. Mm-hmm. Don't give up on your dream. Right. Build relationship with mm-hmm. the leadership. Mm-hmm. Let's not start out volunteering. 
let's start out going to lunch. Mm -hmm. Because when you're an immigrant and you migrate into a different arena, there is a, a bonding period that has to take place. That's right. And even though you're eager to jump out front, Imagine if somebody walked over to you and knocked on your door and said, give me your sick children. Let me have them. Mm -hmm. I can, I'm trained. I can take care of them. You wouldn't do that either. Mm -hmm. That's right. What you want to do, the kingdom of God advances amongst friends. So if you want to do something, building a relationship is very, very important. Important. I don't want you to feel rejected and feel like I have to go outside because you're needed inside. Mm -hmm. But in order to get that good out of, you have to realize you know your intents are good. You know your background. You know your degrees. But to them, you're an immigrant. And so there is a bonding period. There is a trust that has to be built up. And you're asking me to trust you with other people's secrets. And I'm scared of you. And mm -hmm. so just like you would have patient patience with the patient, have patience with the pastor. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, yes, I, yeah. I, I receive that. And um, yeah. The, now, now the second part of that, that's a challenge is how do I build a relationship? Because sometimes pastors are so insulated that it's hard to get through the insulation to get to build a relationship. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so let me give you another tip, and because I feel like I'm really not talking to you, I'm talking to somebody that's listening at us who's trying to get a breakthrough. Mm -hmm. You want to build a relationship with somebody who has a relationship, mm -hmm. because the quickest way to get a sponsor, Ruth, that will take you from Moab back to Bethlehem is to meet a Naomi, mm -hmm. because Naomi is already that's accepted right. in Bethlehem. That's right. And so, it just any any leader is protective of their flock. And so you wouldn't just let somebody come and say, hey, let me help you. You know, they, they don't do that, even though you know you're good. What you need is somebody who does know you, and they build a relationship, and they invite the pastor over, and you all get to know each other. Or the pastor may not be the decision maker. It may be somebody else they sent you to, mm -hmm. whoever it is. Uh, and then there's territorial things in the church and there's politics in the church mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. have to disarm them from feeling threatened like you're trying to replace me. There, there's, a, there's a lot to be taught about immigration. And if, if you're listening at this podcast, whether we're talking about church or corporations or businesses, mm -hmm. you just took a new job on mm -hmm. staff, you're right. qualified, sometimes right. overqualified, you need to be taking notes on what I'm saying right now. Immigration requires a process. Right. You're migrating into a new arena like a skin graft. You mm -hmm. have to take to the DNA mm. that pre-existed you. Be patient. Don't get frustrated. Don't get hurt. And don't let your rejection issues make you misread the moment. Right. It is natural for the body to reject tissue that's foreign to it. Mm -hmm. And it needs mm -hmm. medicine that's in good. order to be that's able to good. adapt. So, so understand this institution pre-existed you. Mm -hmm. Don't get upset and feel rejected and get get church hurt, whatever that is. Hashtag church hurt right. and, and tweet everybody. And, you know, I've been rejected. Yeah. Look at it from the other guy's standpoint. Mm -hmm. You don't leave your children with just anybody That's That's right. just because they got a title That's somewhere. A and and it and so what you want to do is is Building enter into the system. system. 
Mm-hmm. Let the graft be good mm-hmm. and tight and solid where mm-hmm. you are seen as a part of the community. Yes. And then you can give your gift mm-hmm. and it will be received. But yeah. when you're yet new, this natural for it to be a bonding period. Right. That's right. Okay. And I wanted to add, just kind of piggyback on what you were saying. If any pastors were listening, you know, about the how aggressive or how necessary it is to get the understanding, to get the learning. Because, you know, there was a time where people were suffering quietly and they were suffering in the dark but now we have people taking their lives right. now it's an emergency now we have children hanging themselves we have Even doing it on social media killing too. themselves right. you know yeah. we have people killing themselves on show, social media we, yeah. i mean and so now it's almost like a hold on wait let's still be spiritual but we still have to make sure that we reach out or that we have someone because it's not just i'm depressed and i'm sad by myself in the dark anymore right now we're burying babies mm-hmm. yeah. now we're burying you know mothers are taking their entire family we have That's people right. I mean, now, it, you know, and I think the call, I don't know, the call to war or the call is, you know, there has to be like a clarion call. Like something different is changing. Something is mm-hmm. happening in these end times. It's, mm-hmm. it's Something's changing. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. if you don't reach down and grab these babies, we're going to lose them forever. Right. And I think that's the, when I, you know, like our pastor, you know, um, just to kind of piggyback, you know, he, I, I couldn't start off the same way. I had to go through relationships where now he's like, okay, I, well, let's talk about this. How can we do mm-hmm. something? What can we do now? You know, and how do we build it? Because also he was saying he doesn't want to preach across the pulpit mm-hmm. and people assume that he's preaching about, about the them. things that right. we're talking about. You know, so how do we and so that's what we're looking to build. But he does understand the you know, these are our babies. This is our youth ministry. It used to be the youth ministry was safe. Everybody, all the kids were safe. No, you know, nowadays anymore, you got, right. um, you know, Uncle Nook Nook and right. you got some wild people. And, you know, and so now yeah. we have the, the protection, the you know, like I have small children. Right. You know, like so for me, whether it's. A physical illness, a mental illness, it doesn't matter what it is. I'm going to come for you like a burglar in the night. I'm going to come and, you know, you're not taking my babies. Right. And, you know, you, you just can't have them. So, you know, suicide, you can't have them. You know, just that's how I'm thinking as a parent. But as a professional, it's like, you know, but there are other people's children. There are other babies out that's there. And right. as pastors and leaders in the church, not just pastors, but the leaders, the executive leadership, mm-hmm. there has to be a shift. And how do we how do we get them to how do we help encourage them to start saying, OK, listen, let's take one day out the week and plan and do something. We can't just keep praying about this. We have to pray, and now we have to move. We have right. to do something. We have to do something. I think uh, preachers are trained to think that preaching will fix everything. Yes. Right. That if I preach good enough, I'm going to change the whole wide world. That's right. And and we look at people like Dr. King, and we say, you know, he preached and changed the world. And But, but, it, but it really isn't just what you do with the mic, it's what you do behind the scenes. That's and he right. did a lot behind the scenes. A lot scenes. behind the scenes <laughs> right. that people didn't see. That's, right. That's not recorded. It's very That's important right. to get it done. Mm. The other thing that, that that you provoked in my head when you were talking, this is just my idea. But I think one of the reasons that mental health is so pervasive is because of social media. Uh-huh. I agree. Uh, I think that it creates a false sense of intimacy. Oh, absolutely. The highlight reel. Yeah, the highlight reel, the the followers are really yes. not friends. Right. You, you, you've got all of this. They, I've got so many friends, and they're really not friends. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And we were designed by our creator to be social beings. Relational, right. And we need to have relationships in order to be fruitful. Right. And we have a generation that was spawned from computers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they don't necessarily have mm-hmm. the emotional uh, quotient to be able to communicate feelings effectively. Right. Right. It's really text, meet me at the corner. That's right. Let's go over <laughs> here. Drop it like it's hot. Right. We, Sit right we, next uh, to you. Right. You know, all of those things are not about 
how I'm feeling. Feel. Sometimes they're right. texting right in front of each you, other. Yeah. You're not going to text and say, I don't feel like getting out of bed today. I'm hurt. My head is spinning. Yeah. And, and, and I, I haven't taken a bath in three days. You're not going to text that. So that varies. You're going to text a functionary, actionary, uh, transactional information. I'll be there at five o'clock. Right. I'm coming over to your house and so and so and so. We have lost our ability to express trauma. Right. And so trauma left unexpressed heightens the rapidity through which it is able to escalate in right. our community. The and then when you add to that the right. bullies that come online. Oh my goodness. And and when I do have a real relationship, I don't have the tools to be relational because I was trained on computers. My babysitter was a computer. If I push this button, this window opens up. So when I get a relationship with you, I expect you to act like a phone. Mm -hmm. And when you don't Mm -hmm. respond in predictable ways, I get frustrated because I don't, I've not seen relationships wrestle the struggle Mm -hmm. to understand Mm -hmm. the groping, the mechanism. We don't, we don't have the tools we used to have. We're not sitting on the back porch with Big Mama selling peas and drinking iced tea and and letting Big Mama say, now girl, you lost your mind. Go back there. You know, all that's gone. Okay, nobody has time. The conversations are gone. The Sunday dinner is gone. The village is gone. The village is gone. The Sunday dinner table where everything got worked out, all of that's gone. All we have left is our phones. Screens. That's right. It's caught in the web. Yeah. And and that doesn't touch me. Mm -hmm. And so I'm untouched. I'm unreached. And I have lost my voice. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I have no voice for the pain within. And so when you have that pressure cooker all working together, and I'm hoping and praying that somebody has pulled their car over to the side of the road listening at this podcast because I have struck a nerve. You have got a feeling that you don't have words for, and you're angry with people for not saying what you can't say. Right. And you've lost your your heart has lost its language. Mm-hmm. Your mouth still speaks, but your 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 heart has lost its language. And so that's why you're feeling the way you're feeling right now. And you've got to find a way to give your heart a voice again. If it's writing, if it's putting it in a song, mm-hmm. if it's telling it to a stranger, you may you may have to graduate to therapy. Mm-hmm. You you you, you right. because you'll sit on the couch and can't talk. Yeah. You you've got to be able you've got to know it's all right to cry. It's all right to be confused. It's all right to be in pain. It's all right not to figure it out. Nobody has it all figured out. It's okay. Start where you are. When I wrote, meet them where they are, start where they are. My wife says, I am the most non-judgmental person in the world. (laughs) She says says that I could be Judas's lawyer because I'm always (laughs) explaining people's stuff away. But but, but it's because I have a heart Mm. that has the capacity to be voluminous. Right. Yeah. Or I wouldn't be me. That's right. You God know? has truly gifted right. you yeah. right. with something special and who I mean, I'm it's it's really striking a nerve in me what you just said, because um and I'm sorry, I may get a little emotional okay. right now. But um you know, I recently lost my sister in April. And as I mentioned, she was at the center of my life. When my dad took his own life, she was eight and it happened on her bed. Mm. And she saw that image. Mm. And she helped to raise us. You know, can you imagine an eight-year-old having mm-hmm. to go into your younger brother's kindergarten class mm-hmm. to talk about what's going on? Mm-hmm. Because my mom was at work. So she had a really tough life. 
Um, but she pulled herself out of it. She went to therapy. She pushed herself through. She was like a mom, a best friend, and a sister. And losing her, I don't blame God. But this type of grief has really put a strain on me spiritually. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've never experienced this type of grief. Mm-hmm. And I coined this new acronym for grief. I, I said it, it means going into extreme faith. Because mm-hmm. I don't know how else t- to get around it. I find myself like just sobbing and crying in the middle of meetings. And I just got back from Ireland. I was the only person of color that gave a keynote at a European mental health conference. And as much as God is doing in my life, I am still feel like I'm fighting for my life again. And I'm going to have to start back therapy. But just can you talk about how um, I w- I wanna how say. grief can just be so hard on your mental psyche? And, you know, I feel like God placed this ministry in my lap and my sister had just gotten her counseling license to become a therapist so we were both working in mental health and this work is important for her and I'm like she's the one who saved me from taking my own life why would why would the universe allow her to be taken from me see let's 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 break that down a minute okay I'm sorry no 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 it's okay it's okay I I understand it is easier to be angry at God than it is to be angry at her. <laughs> okay. So yeah. we we take the feelings that we feel. What you're really saying is, why would you leave me? Yeah. That's what I'm mad about. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Now Because she's always my protector. She's your protector. Now you feel uncovered. That's out of God. Right. She's yeah, my I, I get it. I get right. it. Yeah. I get it. You feel uncovered. Yeah. Let's go back. To her, we need to have those conversations in your head, in your notebooks, in your an honest conversation. I'm mad as hell at you. You left me. You know I depend on you. You know I need you. This is selfish. This is wrong. Because when you say your truth, mm-hmm. it brings healing. It brings relief. Right. If you go and say, you know, God, why did you do this? That's a cop out because he didn't. Right. He didn't do this. No universe did this. Yeah. God didn't do this. And so you left me here. Mm-hmm. My sister tells me all the time, don't leave me in this world. <laughs> like I got something to do with like that. You, you know, that. like I can t- control <laughs> that. that. You know, right. so yeah. if I die, you know, she's gonna be, be she's gonna be the crazy girl beating on my casket at the funeral. Yeah. I'm just telling you now, it's gonna be my sister. Right. My sister Jackie's gonna flip out and beat me in the head when I'm dead. Okay, okay? <laughs> so so be mad, be mad. Just go ahead and be mad because anger is a part of grief. And that's why I thought I was blaming God because the way she passed away, she was on vacation with her daughter and the blood clot we think led to a stroke and she was gone in 15 minutes, Bishop. The thing about it is... But I guess I'm like, and I'm grappling with the fact like, when is it your time versus was it just something that, you know, wasn't done medically? But but see, you're doing the very thing. And I guess I can't question that. You you don't get to, don't try to understand it. Mm -hmm. You got to survive it. Right. Uh See, don't try to understand. Who knows the answer to what you just said? Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah. Right. You know, who knows whether right. it was her time to go or whether it was premature. That question will never be resolved. Yeah. When we create questions for which there are no answers, we delay our healing. Right. What we do right. know is how you feel right now. Yes. And that's okay to feel that way. And it's okay to feel abandoned. It's okay to feel alone. And it's a trigger switch to other things that have happened in your life. Mm-hmm. And that little girl, it's been left again. Yes. I get it. I'm and right I'm there 48 with you. years old and I'm feeling five years old. Again. It don't matter. 
when my mama died, I felt like a little kid lost That's in right. the mall and couldn't find his mama. It, mm-hmm. it was, it's, I don't even want to talk about that because I don't want to feel yeah. it again. <coughs> yeah. So I understand where you are. That's okay. That's okay. But what we're going to do, this is what our goal is for success today, mm-hmm. is we're going to be honest about the feeling. We're not mm-hmm. going to misallocate our anger toward a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to confront this thing that I feel abandoned and I feel alone and I feel by myself. And and, and see, grief is a lot about I. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. See, grief is not about you're right. You. You're right about Grief that. is about mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. That's what I learned mm-hmm. when somebody close enough to me died. That's why wow. Christian colloquialisms don't always help you. She's in a better place. Right. You know, she's I don't want And I'll be honest, right. that is hard for me right now when somebody says that. Oh, yeah. no, it made me mad. Yeah. It made me mad because I thought it's not about where she is, it's about where she's not. Right. Correct. Because grief is selfish, it's about me. Right. You left me. Mm-hmm. I love you, and you left me. So let's say that. It. Let's get it out mm-hmm. the way it really is, because mm-hmm. when you get it out the way it really is, it's going to begin to heal better. Right. Mm-hmm. Right okay. now, the, the the infection, the infectious sore, is covered by political correctness. Right. Okay. Right. We yeah. we don't want to be angry with somebody that we lost because black people, we as a culture. We 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 exalt the dead. Mm-hmm. When somebody dies, if they were wonderful, they become spectacular. <laughs> okay, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, you know that we 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 won't deal with reality right. that people are complicated. Right, and there's un, un, unresolved issues and resolved issues, and part of you I liked and part of you I That's didn't right. like, and that That's goes along with That's every right. relationship. But when you die, all of a sudden, you you walking with the saints and climbing up harps and all that. And so I can't be mad at you because you're my angel. Mm-hmm. You're my angel in heaven. No, I am mad because you left me. Mm-hmm. And that's how I feel today because once you get that out, yeah. then you can get rid of it. I'm not giving you uh, – I'm not saying that you want to stay angry, but it's all right to be angry. angry. The Bible said, be angry and sin not. And the reason it says be angry is that being angry is a part of the human process. How am I doing, y'all? Am I doing good? You're doing great. You're doing great. I'm a jack man. This is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I get you, and I want you to get that out so that you can go forward. And, and I want you to, this is what success is going to look like. As you begin to heal, the story you tell yourself is going to change. Mm. I'm not talking about the story you tell us. Yeah. I'm talking about the story you tell yourself. Yeah. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I am 48 years old. I don't need a protector. Mm. I got this. I'm grown now. Mm-hmm. I'm okay. Because the mm-hmm. real thing mm-hmm. that's scary is am I gonna be okay? Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I had to kiss my mother on the forehead. See, when I was a little boy, I had nightmares that my mother would die, mm. and I would wake up crying and run to her room and oh, get wow. in the bed with her, and uh, and and mm-hmm. and my mother would tell me I'm not gonna die because my father was dying. Okay. And my mother said, I promise you, I won't die. Yeah. She said, even if I get cancer, I'll live long enough to see you get grown. And she'd tell me that rocked me till mm. I fell asleep. Well, when she did die, when she was dying, I kissed her on the forehead, and I said, you can let go now, mama. Mm-hmm. I'm grown. Mm-hmm. I'm grown mm-hmm. now. I was 40 years old. I said, I'm grown now, mama. 
you don't have to fight Alzheimer's no more. Mm. I said, I can deal with the pain. Let go. And I kissed her and I let her go. Mm. And you're going to have to let your sister mm-hmm. go. You're going to have to let her you go. Right. You have to let them go. You you have to let them go. And Bishop Jakes, letting them go does not mean they don't live on in our exactly. hearts. Exactly. Right, because they, they, they're with us every day. Girl, listen, it's the opposite. I found out my mother's more with me now than she was she when she was, was alive. That's exactly right. I can hear her laughing and stuff. Right. I can hear her laughing and stuff. And people tell me that, and I just pray when I get to that you, point. You'll, you'll you, get you to will. that point. You'll get to that point. But no one's quite hit it like, hit it like you just did. I, I'm called to do this. I'm called to hurting people. My gift is with hurting people. I'm at my best when you're at your worst. And so as we sit here talking to you, this has turned from a podcast to a, to a moment. <laughs> yeah, right. Just just to, to say, you are going to be okay. And little by little, that's going to get in you. And you're going to start saying to yourself, I'm okay. And you know, Shanti, I think that that's what people need to know. This right here, this is what therapy looks like. People right. assume that right. therapy is this thing they're going to come into <coughs> and we're going to descend down from the ceiling in a right. black right. hole. Yeah. I like and, you, you know, but this, you know, what you were talking about wand. earlier, pulling over and having that, that's, right. that's gestalt therapy that's yeah. called empty chair, right? Yeah. right? right. When you right. get up and you put the chair somewhere and then you just say, let me tell you what I really want right. to say. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and yeah, as yeah. therapists, we have to sometimes, you know, no, yell it, say it, use the words, mm-hmm. say the bad words, you know, because people are so hurt. Mm-hmm. They're so broken. And then. What you said was so profound. Let me tell you this. This, I be, this makes me just want to sometimes just, <laughs> just throw the whole internet away. Mm-hmm. This political corrected foolishness that mm-hmm. everyone is doing. Right. And everyone, like now, you, you know. Everyone except for us. Everyone oh, but yeah, us. Yeah. You know, but this, you know, but you're not allowed, you know, if you're going to grieve, you have to grieve like this. No. no you're sad. No. And I'm like, you know, my, you know, my sister is still with me by the grace of God, right? But if my sister were, when my sister goes, mm. I'm looking like I'm going to be, I'm not going to be like, you know, I'm just really, really, I'm probably going to flip the casket over. Right. That's my sister. Yeah. That's yeah. My, my person. You know, my yeah. mother, those are my people, you yeah. know. And look, and as a therapist, you know, knowing now, if I don't experience it, this is a thing that think, I think people really need to recognize. If you don't experience it, you're still going to experience it. Right. Mm-hmm. So you better go ahead and experience right. it. That's, right. You know, right. You know, and what right. you're going through right now and, and what you were saying to her, all of that is just I'm experiencing it. But now I'm aware that That's I'm experiencing right. it. Thank you, you know. so much. You I just, you just cannot I know we only have a few minutes left, feel. but exactly. Yeah. From the bottom of my heart. Yeah. Thank you for those words. Because I, I, be <laughs> I am struggling to not fall back into my depression. Yeah. And so I, I received everything you yeah. said. Yeah. Um, we just have a couple quick questions um, left. In 2015, you did an interview with CBN News and talked about having little Sabbaths, mm-hmm. being able to cut the switch off to find you to get back to you we talk a lot about those practices for self-care and wellness taking a break from the bombardment of images we talked about social media um and i even created these um, self-care wellness cards that i distribute and it talks about different tips like writing a not to-do list we so busy writing to-do lists how about writing a not to-do list and listening to music you talked about that or engaging in art therapy um can you Elaborate on the importance of self-care and how it can positively affect your mental wellness. And what does Bishop Jakes do for self-care? Yeah. I knew we were going to get to that. Yes. Uh, first of all, self-care is very, very important. Uh, I think self-care is the leading cause of divorce. It's it's not normally on the list, but I put it on the list. I think self-care is the leading cause of divorce because I think most people divorce because they're angry 
and their spouse not saving them. Mm. Think about that. Mm. You you weren't there for me. You 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 didn't complete me. You didn't fix me. You 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 didn't me. 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 Okay. So a lot of times, I had to learn that I'm wanting other people to do things for me that I should be doing for myself. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. That I am too heavy to put the full weight of me on one other person Mm -hmm. who has to be intuitive enough to figure out where I'm at today when sometimes I don't know where I'm at today myself. Mm -hmm. Okay. So self-care could save marriages because a lot of times you wouldn't be depending on somebody to save you. We have a tendency to marry people expecting them to save us. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then when they don't save us, we say, you're a dog, get rid of you, and we throw them away. When a lot of times, I'm the person I've been waiting on. That's right. And that begins, and, and, and not only that, I don't know how to love another person until I learn how to love me. And you can't mm-hmm. pour I, from an empty cup. No, I can't mm-hmm. care for you if I don't care for me. That's right. I don't have the tools to do that. All of that together helps relationships to be stronger. So self-care is very important. Second thing, you don't have to fly to Hawaii, okay? <laughs> you don't have to be rich and That's take right. and take a private jet and That's get a right. yacht and sell out there. No, 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 no. You can find little things. My mother played in her garden. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and she would she would grow all of these plants and all these flowers, and she knew all of them by name, and she named them stuff. And but but that was her Hawaii, right? Mm-hmm. Find your Hawaii. I right. love that. Right. Find mm-hmm. your Hawaii. Right. It, it it might be a spa day. It may be getting your feet done. It may be getting your nails done. It may be something that looks like work to other people, right? Which brings you to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I'm cooking, I'm happy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, What's your best dish? uh, Banana pudding. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm a dessert guy. Amazing. And I, I make mm-hmm. it, I, get on my Instagram page, you'll see. I will. I just did a red velvet cake with cream cheese icing. And okay. Oh, my it's goodness. on, on my Instagram page. Oh. Go to Bishop Dixon. And I, I do. The reason I like that, and I don't cook often. Okay. I know mostly holidays and things like that. The reason I like cooking is because when I'm cooking, I can't think about anything else. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just got to make sure, did I add the eggs right, at the right yeah, time right, and mix right. vanilla mm-hmm, in? Right, and is it, right. it's about a room temperature, that's did right. I preheat the oven? And okay, for me, that's Hawaii. Mm-hmm. Because if I weren't thinking about that, I'd be thinking about something far more complicated and far more important, far more complex. Mm-hmm, so right. one of the ways I begin to wind down, because mm-hmm. I have to, it takes a while to get to Hawaii. Mm-hmm. So I can't go from real busy to laying flat out on the sofa listening to spa music. I can't make that leap. Right. So if I fix something and then I go chill, you have to bring it down when you're an intense person mm-hmm. like me. Mm-hmm. I can't go from, from 100 miles an hour to zero. Right. Okay. Uh, I had trouble sleeping last night because uh, I had been so hyped up about this event and I was all, and I didn't know I was hyped up about it mm-hmm. and then I had to speak for it mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden when it was all over, now I'm sitting up at 2 o'clock in the morning going, why are you up? Mm-hmm. Why are you up mm-hmm. at 2 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning? Yeah. The whole city has gone to bed. The Atlanta right. is asleep right. and you are up at 2 o'clock in the morning walking around in your room looking stupid. Why? <laughs> and then I thought, oh, you're detoxing. And I had to, then I had to give myself permission to be up. That's right. Not stress out about right. being That's up, right. which right. actually right. makes it worse. Right. Yep. And then I said, it's okay that you're up. Those kinds of things, little vacations, little reachable, attainable things, swimming. 
going for a swim, physical things, a walk. Physical things are real important because when we exercise physically, and it doesn't have to be exercise like a treadmill. Mm-hmm. It can be going for a swim. It can be going for a walk. Mm-hmm. When we move, we expel stress. Right. And yeah. gets, it gets right. your endorphins going. It right. gets your endorphins That's going. Right. It lowers your stress. It lowers your hypertension. Mm-hmm. It helps your rest. Yes. Little vacations like that are important. Yeah. And here's here's a trick for somebody. Okay. Who, if you're like me, and this what you asked me, it's the hardest thing for me. I'm a workaholic, yeah. so I can always go to work. It's mm-hmm. going to rest that I have the hardest time doing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I will rest better if I take a friend. Mm-hmm. I will go to a movie because I got to entertain you. Mm-hmm. And it, and the byproduct, the byproduct is I get to entertain me. I thought of something. My uh, my wife came up to me. I, we had experienced a, a death, and it hurt me really bad. Mm-hmm. And my wife always wants to comfort me, mm-hmm. and and I don't want her to comfort me because then I'm gonna cry, and I don't want to cry in front of her. And so mm. I, I, I I tighten up, I go inside like most men do, right. and and I hide all of that. So she knew I wouldn't let her hug me. So this is what she said to uh. me: She said, "That hurt me so bad." She said. I need a hug. Mm-hmm. Can I have a hug? All the while, it wasn't about her. It was about me. Yes, that's right. So she tricked me. Yeah. Right? She yeah. Tricked reverse me. psychology. Yeah, yeah reverse yeah. psychology. Yeah. So then I said, okay. I hugged her. and then, But it was really me that For needed you. the hug. For you. I love it. For some people, getting to that calm place isn't easy. You may have to take steps down to get it. Mm-hmm. You may have to wind down. But find out what your Hawaii is. And, and go there. And even if you need to take somebody with you and say you're doing it for them to give yourself permission, just get there. Right. Any way you can. Any way you can. And our yeah. last question, and I, again, thank you for just taking so much time to talk to us. <laughs> this, was, this was the best podcast to date. The big news that you just recently shared, which we're a little sad about or a lot sad about, the final curtain call for your incredibly successful conference, Women Thou Art Loose which was inspired by your best-selling novel. Mm-hmm. You've been doing this conference and many others, Megafest and so many, for decades. Why did you decide to make your last one in Atlanta? Because I know you did one of the first ones here. Mm-hmm. And just tell us what we can expect from the conference and what's next for you. My woman and I, who started as a Sunday school class in the hills of West Virginia, it, it, it exploded really in two places, in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the Maybe Center for Azusa, mm-hmm. and then the real big explosion was right here in Atlanta. Amazing. Where we had 56,000 women. ATL. Yeah, right here in ATL. <laughs> and then we finally went up and filled the Georgia Dome, broke all records oh here gosh. in Atlanta. Yeah, we broke all attendance records that they now demolished Georgia Dome. Wow. So I, I wanted to come back to Atlanta one more time. I wanted to invite everybody who's ever been, everybody who said one of these days I'm going to go. It's got to be this day. Or Are the tickets on go. sale yet? Yeah. Do you have any in your pocket? Can we, or? Okay. How can we get them? Go to WTAL.org. Okay. Okay. And you'll find all the information there. The, the dates are September the 10th through the 12th. Okay. And it, I know that seems early, but we're going to sell out fast. Uh, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I wanted to get to Atlanta first. This is the first place that I've done an interview. Amazing. Yeah. And I, while Woo! I'm in Atlanta, I wanted to do this interview and to tell Atlanta I want to give you first dibs at getting a ticket to get it in there right. and be a part of my final goodbye woman now at loose. Okay. Well, we, you know, Silence to Shame is a national organization, but we're based in Atlanta, so we're telling all the ladies in good, Atlanta to good. come out. Yes. And, we- and a shout out to my sisters in Kenya. Yes. Listen, my sisters in Kenya, Jumbo, 
I love you. I'm so happy that I got a chance to be there with you and to experience your love and your food and your kindness to me. And I want to invite you to join me in Atlanta come. for Woman Thou Art Loose. I want okay. you to come, all of you women that I talked to women that I didn't get to talk to women that I get did get to see or didn't get to see. If you follow me, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and you are anywhere uh, international, this is a clarion call. I'm not going to be bringing it to your city. I'm not going to be bringing it to your country. Uh, this is the final one. You're going to have to come to me. By the way, it's cheaper for you to come to me than for <laughs> me to come to you. So, so come on. Come to me and experience Woman That Are Loose 2020 in Atlanta. You get to experience Woman That Are Loose and Atlanta. Atlanta amazing. is amazing. Mm -hmm. Come to this And city. I hope that you may cover some mental health um, at the conference. Uh, I, I, I got to tell you, Bishop, there's a small organization in Kenya called Basic Needs Watch. Mm -hmm. It's a mental health advocacy group. And guess what? They're using Silence to Shame, some of our materials. Good. They're using our hashtag, so it was we're the, the little question, engine that could. It was one of the questions I did in the summit that I did in Nairobi. A lady stood up, and she was a psychologist, and she brought up this whole mental health issue mm -hmm. in a business forum. Mm -hmm. and, and we began to talk about it from a business perspective yes. for CEOs and executives mm -hmm. who That's deal right. with a lot of leadership That's stress. Right. That's and, right. And, and so it is prevalent all over the world. It is a global problem. Yes. And I think there is a global answer, and I believe that the, the same uh, anointing and presence that you sensed as we went through this podcast, that and more, is waiting for you here in mm -hmm. Atlanta. Well, mm -hmm. you guys heard it from the bishop himself. Make sure you log on to the site. Get your tickets today. As he said, it will sell out. Again, we just want to give a huge silence of shame. Thank you for being a part of the um, podcast today. Everyone, October 10th is World Mental Health Day. We need you talking about it, sharing with your community the importance of mental health and wellness. I want to thank our resident clinicians, Dr. Stallworth and Dr. Yes, Adrian. Yes. Woo! Yeah. And again, um, <laughs> God bless you, Bishop, for you, you truly have an anointing. And, you know, I certainly look at you and your daughter on social media and, and the positive words and encouragement that you put into us and fill us up on a daily basis. And now that uh, it's only God that I've been able to be personally filled with your words and the journey that I'm on um, around emotional health and wellness. So God bless you. Thank you. You have a friend in silence of shame and we look forward to hopefully God willing doing more with you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And God bless. God Make bless. sure that you. you tune in and rate and check out the podcast on Google, iTunes, SoundCloud, um, review, rate, subscribe to us and whatever you do, continue to silence the shame. Thank you.